Thank you. Good morning. How are we doing today? My hair is growing in my eyes. It's just, I got a little stubble though. Don't judge me. Uh, Thursday I went to uh, my two-month checkup and uh, the doctors say that uh, all my levels look really good. And uh, yeah, thank you. So on uh, January 12th, I'll go back for a bone marrow biopsy. I've already had two of those. They get a big old needle. They stick it in this bone and it goes a couple inches deep. It's like, ah! And, uh, and, and then uh, that's uh, January 12th, so be praying for that. And then a week after, they'll, they'll send it out. And uh, a week after that, I'll have a, a phone call with the doctor. And uh, so Tammy asked the question, like, will you be able to see the cancer? And they, he said, well, after the bone marrow biopsy, 70% of the time, they'll still be able to see a trace of the cancer. 30% of the time, they won't see it at all. So I'm believing for 30%. So if you want to pray for me, that'd be awesome. Thank you. I feel, I feel led before I preach today uh, to pray for anybody in the room, anybody watching online. If you need healing in your body, healing in your marriage, healing in your emotions, maybe, you're, maybe this month just brings up a lot of depression and uh, you need healing in your soul and your spirit. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray, ask God to minister to you, ask God to touch you just like he's been touching me. Look at all the people standing to their feet. Need a touch from God. How many are grateful that the presence of God is here? Um, amen. And Hebrews 13.8 said he is the same God yesterday, today, and what? How many believe that in the New Testament, the Old Testament, God healed people? Uh, in fact, the word says that he forgives all of our sins. How many are grateful that he forgives all your sins? Yeah. And he heals all of our diseases. Yeah, but God, I, I've been praying for certain people. And why is it that like sometimes people, you pray and pray and pray and they die. And other times you pray one time and people get healed. I don't know. God's sovereign and God's in control. I, all I know is that our job is to pray and believe God to do what he wants to do, heal. And we just release our faith and extend our faith and then let God be God. So, Father, each and every person standing here, some people watching online that need a touch from you. We stand to our feet in an acknowledgement that we need healing from the great physician. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. So men broken bodies, heal cancer, heal COVID, heal colds and the flu, heal hearts and broken or just broken spirits, people that need to be healed spiritually, people that are depressed, Lord God, people that are aching in their body right now. In fact, it even hurt for them to stand to their feet. Touch them, we pray. We thank you, Lord God, that you declare healing upon our bodies. We contend it. We extend our faith right now. And we say it is done by the Spirit of God. So touch your people, we pray, that you would get all the glory, that you would get all the honor, that you would receive all the praise for what you're doing in our bodies right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. Come on, seal it by an applause to the Lord. Amen. You may be seated there. Good morning. How we doing? Can we just welcome everybody watching the service online? It's great to have you if you're watching online. And look this way, look this way. I, I'll tell you, if I wasn't pastoring, I would be tempted on a day like this. Huh? I'm just saying, if I wasn't, a, I'd be tempted to be like... Like the alarm goes off and you look outside, you're like, no, nah, I'll be watching online. So no judgment to anybody watching the service online, but these are the real Christians in our church right here. Yeah. So how many, come on, let's just be honest. How many of you, when the alarm went off and you looked outside, you at least thought about sleeping in? Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. And uh, yeah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, today I begin a brand new uh, three-week series and... Uh, calling it the promise of Christmas. How many know, how many are grateful for God's promises, by the way? Do you know, look at me, do you know there are uh, 8,000 promises in the Bible, 8,000 promises, and we're going to look at just three of them. Uh, and today we're going to look at uh, one promise that God says over and over. In fact, 300, check this out, 365 times God says, do not be afraid. And that's a promise that he's going to be with us and we don't have to fear anything. And I don't know, I, is it a coincidence that it's 365, maybe one for every day of our life? Or do you think maybe in the sovereignty of God, he planned it that way? So come on, turn to your name and say, do not, do not be afraid. Do not, do not be afraid. And I want to, I want to talk about fear today, uh, how, how fear can really affect our spirits and affect our emotions and affect our peace. And, uh, 
and do not be afraid. 365 times God says don't be afraid. In other words, he knows that we're going to be afraid. Why would he say don't be afraid if, if we're never going to be afraid? So the fact that he says do not be afraid intimates that we will be fearful. In fact, check this out. In 1949, a lady by the name of Marjorie Goff locked herself in her apartment and over a 30-year period only went outside three times. Once to visit a, a dying relative, once to give uh, ice cream to a dying friend, and once to go visit her family. And she had what uh, uh, sociologists and psychologists call agoraphobia, the fear of crowds. Some people watching online have agoraphobia. So they're watching the service online right now. By the way, how, how many know, like some fears are kind of silly and not really life-threatening? And uh, let, me, let me just have you look at the screen. Just a couple of fears I was thinking about. In fact, the dictionary lists 4,000 different fears and phobias. And so uh, the first fear coming up on the screen right now is, come on, raise your hand. How, how many have the fear of spiders? Let me just see your hand. Okay, hands down. How many of you are married, you're a male, you're married to your wife, and you don't kill the spiders, but you have your wife do? Come on, raise your hand, shame the, yeah, you're, I didn't think anybody would raise their hand. You're a wimp. Come on, how many are a little freaked out about spiders? Yeah, yeah. Because so that, that, that's fear. Another fear I was thinking about is the fear of, uh, the how many have the fear of heights? Okay, won't be going to Magic Mountain anytime soon, uh, fear of heights. Another fear I think that a lot of us have, next one, is uh, how many have the fear of doctors, dentists, uh, shots? Uh, yeah. And uh, anybody got the fear of snakes? Huh? Fear of snakes. And then how about, the, how about this one? Uh, rats and mice and yeah. Yeah? Some of you have your hand up for every one, yeah? Uh, and, that, and the last one is the, the fear of crowds, or uh, the fear of public speaking. Still today, do you know that still today it's the number one fear? How, how many with your hand lifted have the fear of public speaking? Let me just see your hand. Yeah? Yeah? So why don't you just come up and share your testimony? And, I got it. <laughs> and uh, again, some, some fears are kind of silly and uh, not life-threatening. Others are... Others are real, the fear, of, the fear of failing, the fear of maybe a school shooting or a workplace shooting, the fear of war, a nuclear war, the fear of maybe you're a high school or a junior high, the fear of bullying, uh, the fear of workplace shooting, the fear of you dying or someone that you love dying. And uh, I mean, to all those, whether they seem silly like a spider or something like cancer, God's word, uh, always has the last word, and he says, do not be afraid. Amen. So gr grab your Bible. I want you to, uh, we're going to uh, just in a second read out of Matthew chapter 1. Uh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 1. And then I want you to hold your place in Matthew chapter 1. So we're going to make it pretty easy. Luke chapter 1, and we'll start there in just a second. But hold your place in uh, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and we'll start reading there in just a second. So Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1. As we talk about fear, as we talk about fear. By the way, um, as you're turning to Luke chapter 1, how many know that most fears um, are, are rooted in, ready for this, are rooted in what if? You know, 95% of the things that we're afraid of, that we are worried about, listen carefully, 95% of the things that we worry about never come to pass. What if? What if, uh, what if he cheats on me? What if she leaves me? What if... What if I never get married? What if I'm lonely for the rest of my life? What if, I, what if I get cancer? What if I die early? What if my kids get into trouble? What if, what if, what if, what if? And again, 95% of the things that we're afraid of never come to pass. I was thinking about this today, but it was probably, it had to be at least 12 or 13 years ago because my kids, I know that for sure my girls were in high school and uh, Ryan might have been maybe in seventh or eighth grade, but my wife uh, about this time of year went out uh, Christmas shopping and it wasn't on a weekend, it was like on a Thursday night or something. And it was uh, abnormally kind of a little late. She left about 9 o'clock p.m. and she had to do a couple things. And I was upstairs uh, watching TV. And so 9 became like 9.30 and then it became 10 o'clock and she wasn't home. And in about 30 seconds, my mind started racing. Have you ever had your mind start racing on like the worst scenario? And I started thinking about, man, what, I wonder if something happened. I wonder if she got in a car accident. I wonder if she got kidnapped. 
I wonder if she spent all my money. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then the worst case is I wonder, like, I wonder if someone kidnapped her and she died. And again, in like 30 seconds, it was like she just went out shopping. And I'm thinking about, like, I lost my wife. And that's a big deal because she runs the bulk of our church. And I'm like, we're, we're in trouble. She runs the bulk of our home. And I'm thinking, I got no church. We have no home. Uh, when our kids were younger, at least, she did most of the, she did most of the, like, the tutoring and most of the homework help. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, now we're going to have dumb kids. <laughs> so listen, in 30 seconds, I have no church. I've got to call people in the church to figure out how to, like, pay. The, she does all the bill paying. She sets up all of our taxes. And I'm like, who's going who's gonna to start tutoring our kids? So I've lost my church. I've lost my wife. I've lost, you know, my partner for life. I'm, gonna, I'm stuck with three dumb kids for the rest of my life. <laughs> how, how many of our, our, our minds like that? In 30 seconds, she's just out shopping for Christmas, and I, I've lost everything. And, and that's, what, that's what fear does. What if, what if. And how many know that typically what if never stops playing? And do you know that fear is so irrational, by the way? It's like, it's, it's about as sure as the weather app on your phone. You know what I'm talking about? I look at my weather app and it's like crystal clear. And then I'm like, no, it's ra like, it, like rain came in, it's windy. I'm like, it is so it's just unsure, right? And fears like that. What if this happens? What if this happens? And what if this happens? And what if that? And so we're going to talk about, I mean, I could talk about a lot of fears. Again, there's 4,000 of them mentioned in the dictionary. We're just going to look at two this morning. But I think the two that we look at are going to kind of cover the rest. And uh, so we're going to look, first of all, at the life of Mary found in Luke chapter 1. And then we're going to look at the life of Joseph found in Luke chapter uh, 1. So uh, Luke chapter 1, Mary, Matthew chapter 1 is, is uh, the life of Joseph. Notice here. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. You got your copy of the Word of God? The Bible says um, in verse 26, you have verse 26 there. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is... Let me just stop right there, and I feel led to just tell you that the Lord is with you. He's Emmanuel, God with you. I don't know what you're going through, and maybe other people aren't with you, but I, I promise you God has never left you nor forsaken you. He's with you. Come on, why don't you encourage your neighbor next to you on both sides and say, God's with you. God's with you. You're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this is. But the angel said to her, let's say the next four words out loud together. Ready, one, two, three, go. Do not be, come on, one more time. The fear of what God might ask you to do. The fear of what God might ask you to do. A private question. Look, look at this up here just real quick after you write that down. The fear of what God might. Is there anybody in your life, like when you see them at church or at work or out in the community at the collection, or they call your phone uh, and you're like, I don't want to talk to them because there's always like an issue with them. There's always going to be a problem. There's always, and so you, come on, you avoid them. Don't raise your hand. You might be sitting next to them. You know what I'm saying? And so you just let the call go to voicemail because you're like, man, there's always something with this person when they call me. Do you know what I've discovered? A lot of people are like that with their relationship with God. We like the favor of God, the blessing of God. We love the fact that God heals and, and we're saved and we're going to heaven. But oftentimes we're scared that God might ask us to do something we don't want to do. Like, man, if I say yes to the Lord, he might have me go to Africa to be a missionary. He might call me to be a, an elementary school teacher. I don't even like my own kids. You know, you know what I'm saying? Man, I'm afraid that God might ask me to do something, so I'll just put him to voicemail. And, uh, or I might marry someone ugly. Sorry. Was that too far? All right, I won't say that in the second service. But by the way, I used to think like if I open up my heart to God, he would like send me to be a missionary in the Middle East. By the way, do you know that God's, before he's going to send you to be a missionary anywhere, he would put that desire in your heart. He's not going to make you do something that you're like, I hate, like I hate kids. I'm going to, 
you're probably not going to be a kindergarten teacher. And, um, but this fear, this fear that, man, if I open up my heart and my life to God, he's going to call me to do something I don't want to do. Now, notice in the story, Mary, God is asking Mary to carry the Son of God. Now, you know, most theologians say that Mary is roughly 13 or 14 years old. Let me ask you, is that like a pretty huge responsibility? I don't know if we have any 13 or 14-year-old girls in the service right now, but can you imagine you're a freshman at Pacifica High School? And God's asking you to carry the Son of God. By the way, she was engaged to Joseph. How did that conversation go down? They're at Starbucks. They got their pumpkin spice latte. And Mary's like, I got to talk to you something. It's really important. He's like, what is it? What is it, honey boo? He says, I got some, she says, I got some shocking news. You're not going to believe it. And he says, bring it on, babe. She said, you're not going to believe it. I'm pregnant. You're what? I'm pregnant. And if I was him, I'd be, how could you? How would you? You, you cheated on me? She's like, no, no, settle down. I didn't cheat on you. Just, just listen, Joseph. Joey, check this out. You're not going to believe I'm pregnant. Yeah? By the Holy Spirit. Now, where are the guys at on the chair? Like, if, if you're Joey, you're like, cuckoo, cuckoo. I mean, no, you're like, this girl is tripping. She is crazy, or she's a liar, or she's what? Both. You are off, your, you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit? And, and think about, again, a ninth grader at Pacifica or Real Mesa or Oxnard, can you imagine carrying the Son of God? That, that's a huge responsibility. You are going to carry God. I, I've told you my testimony. I was playing basketball at Moorpark College, minding my own business, Going to Moorpark College, hoping to go to a four-year college to play basketball, to become a high school teacher. That was on my radar. That's all I wanted to do. Why did I get this diagnosis? Why did I lose my job? And again, I don't know the answers to all those things. Is that God's purposes are better than my plans. Again, I was just minding my own business in college. And God says, no, I've got something different for you. I'm calling you to be a pastor. I remember when our, when our kids were younger, like when they got past what the age of like 12, because movie theaters after like 12, it's like $400 for a movie ticket. But when you got three kids, like in junior high school, we, I can't even, I was thinking, I can't think of a time where we took our kids to a movie like on a Friday night. Too expensive. Right? I mean, you're talking $14, $15 for a, 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 a ticket, $200 for popcorn, $17 for a large stack. And you multiply that by five of us? That's like 500 bucks. Like, no. So what we would do, we would go to the cheap theater in Ventura. You know that cheap, cheap one over there? Right? Rickety old chairs. It's like two bucks to get in and the popcorn's all stale. You know what I'm talking about? In fact, one summer we were in Palm Springs. We, we just couldn't think about where we wanted to go on vacation. It's August and we're like, let's go to Palm Springs. It's like $8 for a hotel. Why? Because nobody wants to be in 125 degree weather. So we took our kids to the movie theater, probably the worst movie theater I've ever been to in my life. And it was like a dollar to get in. In fact, they gave us money to go to this movie theater. And all the carpet smelled like throw up and it was just like rickety old chairs. It was, it was pretty bad. And, but it was cheap. I remember one time somebody in our church, it was when Movico and Thousand Oaks first opened. And uh, they gave us a free gift card to Movico. And so we went from the Palm Springs puke infested carpet theater to, have you been to Movico? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. And I remember like we're up on the, there's something like, 10 chairs, and the, it's like the chair is like as big as my Ford Mustang. It's like, right? And then you hit this button and you're fully reclined, and I'm like, this is awesome. 
right? I mean, I would pay an extra $20 just to sit in one of those chairs. Come on, raise your hand if you've ever been to movie call in town. Keep it, keep it up. By the way, these are all the rich people in our church. <laughs> Come on, raise, if your kids are doing a fundraiser at school, hit them up after service. Then. But I, I just remember, I'm like, this, this is how you watch a movie. Forget the Palm Springs throw-up infested movie theater. Movie Co. was awesome. You know what, there's, there's people that think that God has for them kind of a Palm Springs movie theater, crickety old chair. No, God has a movie co for you in your future. In fact, I just feel like uh, there's a gal in our church dating someone and you're going to tell your guy after the service, you know what, you're kind of like the Palm Springs theater. God's given me a movie. Co. You're going to break. Don't do that. Do it gently though. But I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about Mary like, this, like put, put, I think we read the Bible with like stained glass. Put yourself in her shoes. You're 13, you're 14, max, maybe 15. And the angel comes to you and says, do not be afraid. Easy for you to say. Easy for you to say. But this is a scary thing, carrying the Son of God. So back to more part college. I'm just minding my own business. God says, in fact, two different prophetic words. One from Dick Mills in a service, called me up, stand up. You're going to be a pastor. You're going to full-time ministry. You're going to go to Bible college. And then a couple months after that, I went to down, I don't even remember where it was in downtown Oxnard. I was invited by a friend. I went down downtown Oxnard, and there was a prophetess from Alabama, African-American lady, and she called me out in the middle of the service and said, you're going to be preaching to thousands of people. So I'm like, I'm like, Bible college pastor, thousands of people? That didn't make sense because I was working a round table. <laughs> and I, I, listen, when God called me to go into full-time ministry, some of you raise your hand and you're like, I'm not really into public, I'm not, like I was not into public speaking at all. There's some people that aren't really public people, but they can kind of get up and talk. They're just really good. I, I was never that guy. So I'm like, I remember like, I, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't want to get up in front of people and speak. And God says, you're going to be a pastor, full-time ministry. You're going to speak to thousands of people. And I'll tell you, I, I, sweaty palms, nausea. Like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I want to do this. And listen, if I didn't deal with that fear back then in 1985, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today by the grace of God. I'd still be at roundtable saying stuff like, welcome to roundtable, can I take your order please? Would you like pineapple with that large pepperoni? Can I recommend the meat lover's delight? Can I throw, would you like some garlic bread or some salad going with that? Nothing wrong with roundtable pizza, but I'm going to know that God had something different and better for me. But listen, if I didn't deal with the fear back then, 30 years ago, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Listen, what fear in the past is prohibiting you from doing all that God's called you to do in your future? And I, I want to say this. I still have fears today. Like when God said we were youth pastors at a very successful church. We had a big youth group. We loved youth. I, I, I love students. We still come on Wednesday night. Just, I, I just love being around. And we were, we were loving our youth group. It was thriving. And God said, we want you to start a church. You don't think we were afraid? We had three kids under the age of four. But we stepped out of the boat. Said, okay, God, we don't have a whole lot to give. We'll just give. But man, there was fear. You don't think getting, like, getting married? That's a scary thing. Becoming a father? That's a scary thing. Building, like, building this building was a, was a scary thing. So it, 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 we've been afraid throughout the, the years for sure. But Jesus says, do not be afraid. I mean, my plans might not be his plans, but I'll tell you what, his purposes are so much better than our plans. God knows what he's doing. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, God knows what he's doing in your life. So do, do, not, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Here's the second thing. We're going to look in uh, Luke, uh, Matthew chapter 1. Uh, we're going to look at the life of Joseph. So Mary was... Uh, the fear of what God might ask me to do. Point number two is the fear of what people might think of me. The fear of people, and I know nobody in this room ever struggles with that because you're so spiritual. But for the rest of us sinners, the fear of what other people might think. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, before they slept together, before they had sex is what that's saying. 
she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, here it is again, let's say the four words, what is it? Do not be, come on, one more time, what is it? Same thing that the angel said to Mary is saying to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So in, in... In the New Testament here in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph and Mary were just engaged. But look at me. Engagement back then was different than it is today. If you get engaged today and after like a couple months you're like, I don't know if I want to get married. You just walk away. You know what? It's not as big of a deal. But back then, notice it it actually says in the text that they were like, so an engagement was like a marriage today. So to break off an engagement, you're basically breaking off a covenant. How many know Joseph had to be thinking, man, if I break this off, I'm going to be the laughing stock of the town. What about my reputation? What about my character? What about all the people that are going to be saying things? What about my integrity? What about my future? And so the angel says, do not be afraid. In other words, we can't be so concerned about what people think. Now, look at me. I think everybody in the room, everybody watching on the line to an extent... We care about what people think, right? If you, people are like, I don't care. People. Well, then you would have came to the service probably naked if you don't really care. You, like you, we care. So we care. But listen, not to be, here it is, not to be controlled by what other people think. But if I do this and what are they going to think? And man, I hope I get a like. When I post this on Instagram, I hope I get a like. I wonder if... If they're going to like my post, I wonder if they're going to agree with me. I wonder if they're going to like my outfit. I wonder what, what if they like, and fill in the blank, right? And so it's not that we just care about, but we're controlled by what people think. We're, we're obsessed by it. I told you the story, but we went to Costco. This was a long time. I went to Costco. My wife was shopping around. And I like to go kind of on the weekend because at the end of the aisles, all these, they're handing out food and stuff. <laughs> well, they were, they were doing free coffee tasters. I'm a big coffee guy. And so they're like, they're like, oh, it's this great beans from so-and-so. And there's probably five or six of us around there. And everybody's tasting it. And it's freshly brewed. And this person tastes, oh, it's really good, really good, really good. And it came to me. And I tasted it. And I'm like, inside, I was like, that's disgusting. It was bitter. And I thought to myself, it meant it tasted like Purina puppy chow. <laughs> but I said, I said to the group, I'm like, oh, it's pretty good. Not only is that bad enough, I actually bought a pound of coffee that I thought was bitter. Why why did I do that? I was infected, I was affected by the crowd of people. In fact, I think it's still in my cupboard today. I'll sell it to you for $9.95. But uh, how stupid is that? Not only to say that I like the coffee, but to go and buy a pound of coffee for something that I thought was bitter? But we do it all the time. Listen, oftentimes when you really follow the Lord and serve the Lord, ready for this? You're gonna disappoint people. Where, where are the parents at? Raise your hand, parents. Here's what I've discovered as a parent of three kids. I've had to tell them, no, you're not going to that party. No, you're not sleeping at their house. No, you're not going to do that. You're not wearing that. I don't care what you think, right? As parents, but if you're trying to be buddies with your kids, you're going to be an awful parent. And so over and over and over and over, no, you can't go there. No, you're not wearing that. No, you can't go to that party. No, you're not sleeping over. No, you're not staying out. And so what? If I just want to be liked all the time, I'm going to be a terrible parent. Right? So your, your kids aren't going to like you, not, aren't going to agree with you 100% of the time. Let the chips fall where they may. Listen, I've been a pastor of this church now for 25 years. We have a wonderful staff. In the past, I've had to correct people on our staff. I've had to challenge them. I had to hold them accountable. We've even had to let a couple of people go. Is that easy? No, because I come to the church and I know that that person that we let go is friends with 50 people in the church. And I can't get up there and say, he was lazy. She was uh, not punctual. She didn't do a good job. I couldn't say that. I wouldn't do that. People are just like, what's the real story? What did he do? Pastor Steve. But I got to be okay with being unpopular. That, that's just, Jesus said, beware when all men speak what? Well of you. Beware. If everybody thinks you're on, listen, I don't think for a second 
Every time people walk out of the sermon, I don't think everybody thinks, that was incredible, what a great message. I, it's, it's okay if people say, I don't agree with that, I don't like him. I'm not trying to win friends and influence people. I'm trying to preach the word of God. And listen, if you, if you love Christ with all your heart, I'm telling you, you will attract people that will not like you. The Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. And so what I need to do, listen, I need to minimize my focus on what other people think of me. I need to maximize my focus on what God thinks of me. Check out this little quote I came up with. I think it's coming on the screen, hopefully. I wrote down this. The, look, look at this. The only ones that have to go are those who say no go to anything goes. Let's all read that together out loud at the count of three. It's going to sound like we're speaking in tongues. Ready? One, two, three, go. The only ones that have to go are those who say you know what I mean by that? If you stand up and say, no, no, no go. Then people are going to be like, you got to go. So listen, if I stand up and say, according to the Bible, marriage is between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. That's it. People are like, I don't think that's true. You're such judgmental. You're so narrow-minded. You got to go. If I say, and I believe this, that abortion is wrong at any stage... People are going to be like, well, how could you? What about the you are so judgmental, narrow-minded. By the way, how many know we want narrow for every single area of life except when it comes to the Bible? Right? Don't you want your pharmacist to be really narrow when he's giving you a prescription? Or is he like, oh, just kind of, I think you're supposed to take this. Don't you want your pilot to be really narrow when he's flying the airplane? Or do you want him to be like, I think these are the buttons you're supposed to. No, but when you stand up and say, no, there's only two genders. Once you say that, people are like, you got to go. You're so bigoted. There's like 37. There's 115. There's, no, no, that's not what the Bible says. He created man and woman in their image. So people are going to be like, you got to go. Not, a, not everybody's clapping. It's okay. People are like, you got to go. If I, if I say, I believe, and I believe this, that we're supposed to give 10% of our income back to the Lord. People are like, Pfft. So stupid. What do you, by the way, what do you guys do with the money anyhow when it comes in? I would just say this. If you don't trust the church with the money, why would you trust us with your heart? Anyhow. That wasn't in my notes. You know what I'm saying? Once you stand up and say, I'm going to step on some toes here. Because, you know, according to the Bible, divorce... No, no judgment on anybody that's been divorced. I'm just saying going forward. Outside of adultery, if the person abandons you or abuse, those are the only three outs for getting a divorce. Today we're just like, oh, just divorce, marry somebody else. Do you, do you have biblical justification to get remarried? I'm saying go, I'm, nothing in the, I'm not talking about what happened a week ago, a month ago. I'm saying going forward. So, but I stand up and say that, hey, according to the Bible, those three things, is it people are like, who do you think you are? Seriously, again, you are so narrow. My, no, no. Pastor Steve, you got to go. Listen, but I want to live my life in a way that I'm uncancelable. You can't cancel. I just want to stand up for the word of God and say, this is it. When I stand up and say, according to the there's only one way to get to heaven. That is so narrow. I think they're just, as long as you're sincere, it doesn't really matter. There's, just a, there's a lot of ways to get to heaven. Okay, so if you're going to Magic Mountain right now and I said, hey, what you need to do is you need to jump on the freeway, take the 126 east and head out, you know, to Santa Clarita, take the 5 south and it's like the second exit, Magic Mountain Parkway. That's how you get there. You're like, no, I think that's really narrow. I'm going to take the 101 north. When I get up to like Morro Bay and I pass Morro Bay, then I'm going to get to like Carmel and maybe to San Francisco. I think I'm going to find it that way. Well, have a good time because you ain't going to see Magic Mountain. And Jesus said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. But anytime a pastor stands up and says that, you're like, you got to go. So anytime you say no go to anything goes, people are going to be like, you got to go. But it's okay. It's okay. Again, Jesus said, beware when all men speak well of you. Let the chips fall where they may. Notice what 
Notice what Paul says two times in 1 Thessalonians 2.4. Look at the screen. He says, our purpose is to please God, not people. that, group B is going to be ticked off at you. Huh? So just live your life in a way to please God, not people. So Joseph's break off this engagement. What are people in the community going to think? And the angel says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So you want to Live your life in such a way to get no criticism. Here it is. Say nothing, do nothing, and stand for nothing. And you'll have no critics and no enemies. Second, you stand up and say something and do something, especially for the word of God, I'm telling you, it's going to attract the critics. It's going to attract the naysayers. It's going to attract the haters. So here's fear again, ready? What if? Again, I'm on my bed, my wife's out Christmas shopping, and I've got worst case scenario. What if, what if, what if? How many know that, that the enemy just whispers in our mind, doesn't he? What if, what if? It's like a, a record album that gets stuck. Well, you need, to, you need to pick up the needle and move it to the next track. What if? You're, you're like, well, what if, what if it does happen? What if he does divorce me? What if I don't get pregnant? What if I'm still single? Listen, all I know is that obedience is my responsibility. Outcome is God's responsibility. I just need to do the right thing and I need to trust in the sovereignty of God. So Mary tells us that, listen, I might be afraid when God asks me to do something. So what, what could it be? What, what is God asking you to do that you're like, let's go back to tithing. I don't, I don't know if I can afford that. I would just say, we, we try to tell people, just Start at 1% or 2%. I, I believe that, I believe you can do 10, but if you're like, I, I don't think I can, just start with 1% or 2% and trust God. By the way, he's never going to ask you to do something that he's not going to give you the ability to pull off. Why would he tell you to give 10% and then say, but it's going to be impossible for you. So what is God asking you to do that you're a little afraid of? Maybe to start serving in a ministry, getting involved, reading your Bible. Maybe it's to say you're sorry to that person, to reconcile with that family member. I don't know if I can do that. I'm kind of afraid of the outcome. Well, listen, God's going before you. And Mary would teach us that if God's asking you to do something difficult and you're afraid of, listen, there's nothing to fear. I came across this verse a couple of weeks ago, and it is so awesome. I want you to look at Psalm 112, verses 6 and 7. I believe I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation. But check this out. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. By the way, let me just stop there. Do you know that if you have a relationship with Christ, you are righteous? You're righteous. You're like, well, you haven't lived with me. No, but it's not your own righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So when God the Father looks down at you and I, he looks through his son, Jesus Christ. That's why we're righteous. So check it out. Psalm 112, verse 6 says, the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have, notice that they will have no fear of what? Bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I love that. They will not fear bad news. What if? That is awesome. Because here, here's what I think. I Look at me. I live under the illusion sometimes that if I can have all my broken pieces together, then I can walk in the peace of God. No, no, this is saying I don't have to be afraid of anything that might come down the pike tomorrow or Wednesday or Friday or next year because I'm righteous and I'm just going to be steadfast. Listen, I'm not going to fear bad news. God is in control. Come on, there's nothing to be afraid of. Listen, the Lord gave me a picture this week about, about fear. Two things, ready? Number one, fear grows 
in the dark. Number two, fear grows when we're alone. So you, you, you have this Friday night, 10 to 12 family members or whatever, you're having a Christmas party at the house, a bunch of people are over, and at 10 o'clock at the night, there's a knock on the door. Probably not a big deal, right, because the house is filled with a bunch of people. But if you're all by yourself in a two-story house and somebody knocks on the door at like 10.30 at night and you're all alone, You know what I'm saying? When you're all alone in your house, there's boogeymen everywhere. They're in the closet, they're under your bed. But if you share a room with two or three siblings, like you're not scared of the boogeyman in the closet. 11 o'clock at night, you're watching TV with a group of people and the dishwasher comes on. Suddenly, you're not like, what was that? Right? But if you're all by yourself and that happens at 11 o'clock at night, you're freaking out, right? Fear, just like that kid freaked out over there. <laughs> fear grows in the dark and fear grows all alone. Listen to me. The devil should not have let you come to church today. Because you're hearing a message. You're hearing a message to let you know, to remind you that, listen, you are not alone. Not only is God with you, but listen, there are people all around you in this building right now. But listen, you are not alone and there's nothing to fear. And so right now, God is shedding light on the darkness in your heart. There's nothing that you have to walk through in the future. You're not alone, you're not by yourself, and you're not in the dark to the glory of God. I used this illustration before. You, you got to see this. Look, look at this picture up here. See that bright star over there? Oh, that was the question. Let's rewind the tape. I, I want to get back over here when I said it. And you're supposed to say, oh, yeah, I see it. Ready? Hold on. Do you guys see that star over there? Okay, good, good. Uh, so that, that star, uh, it's the largest star that we've ever discovered. Ready for, ready for a little astronomy lesson? It's called Canis Majoris. Everyone say it. It's the largest star that we've discovered in, in our solar system. Ready? Ready for this? little astronomy. Do you know that the sun, S-U-N, makes up 99.9% .9 of all the matter in our universe. The sun. How many know the sun is massive? Massive. You're like, well, how big? Ready? You can put 1,000 Earths inside of the sun. You got, I mean, do you, do you know how big the sun is? So 99% of everything in our galaxy is the sun. That's amazing. Astronomers have calculated that star to be 2,100 times larger than the sun. So they said if the earth was a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be Mount Everest. Do you know how, do you know how big that star is? Ready for this? So this is Canis Majoris. If you were on an airplane going 500 miles an hour, it would take you 2,000 years to go around Canis Majoris one time. Listen, ready for this? It's an itty bitty star. In one little galaxy. Ready for this? And there are billions of stars and billions of galaxies. You're like, man, I'm just so afraid. How about this? When you're afraid, you gotta re reckon how big God is. So what does the Bible say about God? Ready for this? He just flung the stars into space. And the Bible, the Bible doesn't say, but the song that we used to say, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole, listen, that's it. Canis Majoris is massive, way bigger than the sun, 21 times bigger than the sun. But listen, compared to the size of God, that's why the Bible says, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Not that we're making God bigger. But listen, in my eyes, my fear has to shrink and my God in my own eyes needs to get bigger. Listen, that is a massive star, but it's puny. It's puny compared to God. And I'm not trying to minimize your fear. I'm saying, but it's so itty bitty compared to your God. He is massive. He's got your life and he's got your marriage and he's got your kids and he's got your health and he's got your future in his hands. 
Again, 95% of the things we're afraid of never even happen. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? I came to church to let you know that God is massive. And he says, do not be afraid. By the way, 2 Timothy 1, 7, we, we know this verse. Maybe you don't know the address, but the Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of, God hasn't given us a spirit of, but power, love, and a sound mind. Notice this. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. It's deceptive. It's deceiving. It's demonic. It's a spirit that's keeping you down. It's a, fear, it's a spirit that's holding you back. It's a spirit that's frustrating your future. It's a spirit that's diminishing your dreams. It's a spirit. We're to cast every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I want to pray for two groups of people. Are you ready? Number one, you're here today and you're like, awesome message, but fear has been paralyzing me. So let's just, let's just be honest. I said at the beginning, 365 times the Bible says, don't be afraid. That means that we're going to be fearful. But I don't have to walk in fear. But if you're here today and you're saying, man, there's just some things on the horizon I'm a little afraid of. Would you pray for me? Would you lift your hand right now all over the building? Thank, by the way, thank you for your honesty. Just lift up now both hands to heaven. Father, we thank you that spirit is a fear and we cast out that spirit in the name of Jesus. It's lying, it's deceptive, it's deceiving, it's demonic. And we take authority over that spirit right now in the name of Jesus and instead we pray for a spirit of peace, a spirit of joy, a spirit of purpose, a spirit of thanksgiving, a spirit of gratitude, a spirit of worship. God, we trust you with our future. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with our marriage. We trust you with our singleness. We trust you with our kids. We trust you with our health. We trust you with our finances. In Jesus' name, where there is fear, I rebuke the fear off of my brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters, in Jesus' name. Let it be so. Let it be finished in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Can I get just the lights to come up just a tad, please? I want everybody, if you already have a relation with Jesus, I want you to bow your heads there and just, would you pray right now? Just ask God to move upon lives. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that the Lord is not slow, as some people consider slowness. Listen, the reason why God is patient, 2 Peter 3, 9, is that he doesn't want anybody to perish. I just want, when is God, I read the Bible and it keeps saying God's going to come back soon. When it, well, the reason why he hasn't come back soon is he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to be in a right relationship with him. I said earlier in the sermon, these aren't my words, these are the Bible words. Unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus said in John 3, 3. And listen, I went to church most of my life off and on, thought I was a Christian, thought I had a relationship with God. If you were to ask me, are you going to heaven? I'd be like, Absolutely. But I never had, I had religion, I never had a relationship. God doesn't want religion for us. He wants a personal relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you a question. Can you look back to a time in your life where you said, that was the day I turned from my sin and I said yes to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. There should be a time. You might not know the exact day, time, hour, where you were, but there had to be like a light going on in your spirit. Like that was the day that I got saved. And if you can't think of a day, it could be, it could be that you love God, it could be that you read your Bible, it could be that you go to church, but you've never opened up your heart to Christ. And I'd be honored and privileged to pray with anybody watching the service online, anybody here in the building. Come on, if you're a Christian, I'm going to invite you to pray right now. The Bible says, ask, seek, and knock. So God, we're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking on the door of your heart to save our brothers and sisters. But if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe at one time you made a decision to follow Jesus, but you turned from that, I'd be honored to pray for anybody in the room. So I'm going to start on my right, which is the far left side. There's a couple sections over here. If you're saying, Steve, would you pray for me? I'm going to invite you right now. Listen, raise your hand, open up your eyes, lift your head, and would you look at me? And by that you're saying, Steve, would you pray for me? Today I want to open up my heart to Jesus Christ. I agree with you, man. Thank you for lifting your hand. One, two, three of you, four of you in this, these sections over here. Five, 
Six, I agree with you in Jesus' name. Seven, eight, nine, ten. I agree. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Anybody here in the middle section? Just go ahead and lift up your hands. I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. There's probably 10 to 12, 15 people in the middle section. Thank you for lifting your hands. And listen, if I missed you, it's okay. God sees you. You can put your hands down. Then off to my left, the far right side. Anybody in this section, you're saying, Steve, would you pray for me? Just go ahead and look at me. There's nothing to be embarrassed. I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. At least 11 people in that section. Thank you for lifting your hand. Awesome. Amazing. Incredible. I want everybody in this room, would you repeat this prayer after me? Father in heaven, today I turn from my sin, the ones I know about, the ones I don't know about. And I confess, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. So today, I acknowledge I can't get to heaven on my own, and I need Jesus. So Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior be my master. I declare, I love you. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet, would you? Yeah, we are in a second. We're going to all clap together because I'm just taking a guess. If you look at me, I'm taking a guess of about 40 people that lifted their hand. I don't I know some of those for the very first time, others are coming back to the Lord. God knows your story. I'm just rejoicing in the fact that people went from darkness to light. They went, they went from what the Bible says, in the eternity in a place called hell, permanent separation from God into a new home called heaven. That they, listen, they'll be there forever and ever and ever. Listen, if they were sincere, and I believe that they were. How many of that, that is awesome. That is awesome. Come on, let's put our hands together. Let's give God some praise right now. Amen. So we're going to sing a song. After the song, we're going to have some prayer people up here. I, I think you know this because you're the first service and you're way more spiritual than the second one. But, but I hope you know this, that after not just this service, every service we have people up here that would love to pray for you. Some lifted your hand and you acknowledged Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to encourage you to come up at the end of the song. But maybe you're just here and you're a Christian, you've been coming to this church for a long time, but you're just going through something. The Bible says, ready, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. So if you need, if you need prayer in your life and you're just a regular new life attender, but you're going through something, people love to lay hands on you, pray with you, and believe that God's going to meet your need as well. So has God been good to us today? How about this? Let's vote, ready? I, I'm going to vote yes for one more song. So if, if let me see, vote. How unspiritual would you be if you're like, no, I want to go home right now. All right. So even if your hand's up here but you don't feel like singing, let's just do it out of discipline. God's good, isn't he? He met, he met us where we're at. He delivered us from all of our fears and he saved people today. Let's put our hands together. Come on.